not one part of the strategy, don't Development, it's all we envelop in telephone A wealth of intelligence Unless you're selfishly embellishing all of the championships Basking it in, let's study in the conferences Pac-12 and Big, 12 and the 10 SEC, ACC, win, 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 win Ladies and gentlemen, we're down, down to the final four. Not really, but, you know, it kind of feels that way with all these crazy bowl games they have going on. Welcome, everybody, to the Debbie Owner's Manual, Episode 7. This week, we'll recap the madness of Championship Weekend, discuss the fallout from the college football final rankings, and give our award winners for the college football awards that are being presented Thursday night. But before we get to all of that, let us remind you where you can find us on Twitter, at Debbie Manual. And our email is DebbieOwnersManual at gmail.com. And as always, a very special thank you to Chris and Adam from Dynasty Owners Manual for allowing us to be a part of their pod family. First off, let me introduce co-host, Andrew. Andrew, how you doing, man? I'm good. Really enjoyed watching my Florida Gators and the SEC title game that I had on DVR. Oh, I was like, did I miss something? <laughs> Like, I know, I didn't watch a whole lot this weekend, but I missed that one. Nah, <laughs> had to relive the good days. Yeah, I would have rather watched an old one, man. I, the, not being a good game, the, speaking of the SEC title game, we'll talk about that one first, since that one was obviously the biggest game of the weekend. That game was, uh, yeah, just crazy. Like, I was quite surprised. Um, it ended up being another typical letdown for Georgia. <laughs> what was your takeaway from the game? Georgia had... They were doing what they needed to do. Jake Fromm's really coming out of his own. I think he'll easily be the QB1 next year. I know everyone gets all excited about Tua, but I just like Fromm so much more, and so does everybody else, it seems. And then, I mean, Jalen Hurts had to come in and save the day. I, I think they kind of wore down Tua a lot towards the end. I know his ankle got stepped on, and that wasn't something that had been popping up, but now he has to have a procedure done on it, and he'll be out a couple weeks, but they won't have to play till the end of December, so they said he should be okay. Either way, I mean, it showed this Alabama team is just so good they can overcome their top-string quarterback being hurt, but I think we said that last year with the back, the first-string quarterback, not necessarily being hurt, but just the way he played. Right, yeah, I was really impressed with how Georgia's defense kept him on their heels and never seemed like Tua got very comfortable in the game and they could have ran away with the game and then as usual they kind of kind of ran out of gas it seemed like it was like almost like watching you mentioned in, in the show notes that the memphis and ucf was like two games and it was almost like two separate games like once that fourth fourth quarter hit it was like the air was out of georgia's sails and it was unfortunate because it seemed like it was going to be like a thriller right down to the end and it just kind of just yeah just, I honestly didn't think there was a whole lot of standouts in the game. You know, I mean, Fromm had a great game. You know, Tua was off. You know, Hertz came in and rescued. None of the running backs looked particularly amazing. Josh you Jacobs know, both, looked fantastic. Yeah, they're both. You know, it was a, it was a a better game than I thought it was going to be for a while there. And defensively, you know, my boy Quinnen looked amazing. He was yeah. all over. I was seeing his jersey popping up from piles all game long. I hate to sound so defeated, but it almost feels like the same old thing every year. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's. I, I talked about it in an article for Dynasty Happy Hour a couple weeks ago. I was really annoyed. I mean, I'm a Florida fan. It's very well established at this point. 
I'm beginning to appreciate Nick Saban for what he is. I'm beginning to appreciate this Alabama team for what it is just because it's going to be one of those things where I can look back and I can talk. I talked to my grandpa about um, the early USC teams and he'll tell me about Nebraska in the nineties. I think that's what these last two years for Alabama is going to be when we're older. Well, when I'm older, sorry, Dwight, (laughs) Um, I'll be able to tell my kids and, your kids and grandkids and our everybody that we saw Nick Saban dominate for really it was a it's a dynasty if they can close it out and win a championship I don't see how this can't be one of the best teams of all time one thing we haven't delved into much is my absolute hatred of Nick Saban simply because of what he did to Michigan State I um, figured kind of left them out to drive but at the same time I don't blame him and to what to do what Alabama does year in and year out I feel like they get the best players and the players play for them on the system and they don't seem to let their their pride get in the way. And almost all their guys on their team are four- and five-star recruits, and they all play within a system well. And it is something to be said for what, what they do year in and year out. It's what John Calipari does for college basketball. He gets right. those one-and-done that come in for one year, but Saban is able to do it for three, four years somehow. Right. He puts together amazing teams. He's a, he's a great coach. He's going to go down as one of the greatest in all time, that's for sure. They asked today on PTI, I was watching at work, they said, who's the better coach, Nick Saban or Bill Belichick, as far as resume? What would your gut reaction to that be? It's a very difficult question because they both, they both excel in, in different ways. You know, like Bill Belichick tends to make the most out of the players he has, and he kind of kicks the egos aside if they don't fit into what he wants. And I feel like Saban has the ability to mold the team and, and these these young guys. You know, you don't re- you rarely ever hear about Alabama players being in a ton of trouble. Right. You know, and he, he so he he said I don't know. He just seems to have a way the way he runs his team, the way he recruits, I mean in the most competitive conference in the country amazing what he does and then belichick what he does is amazing as well curious to see what belichick's going to do when brady leaves i think that'll be the biggest key to his legacy yeah that's where i give saban the nod just because he's done it with john parker wilson aj mccarron jalen hurts whereas belichick's had brady not saying belichick's a bad coach just that i think saban what he does with recruiting and you don't know what these young men are going to do in the four years they're there three four years and they could leave after three years um i just think it's a lot more impressive especially in the toughest conference in football in the big 12 the title game ended up being an amazing game too like kind of the oklahoma pulled away there at the end but it was just absolutely thrilling going into the fourth quarter just a fun game to watch and Ironically, lower, much lower scoring than I thought it was going to be as well. Uh, Kyler Murray looked amazing. Ellinger looked amazing. Both the quarterbacks looked phenomenal. Uh, C.D. Lamb, Colin Johnson. What was your takeaway from the Oklahoma and Texas game? I, I continue to be impressed by Sam Ellinger. I think he's the closest thing to Tim Tebow I've seen in a while where he's not that great of a passer, but he's definitely dynamic with the way he runs. Built the same, bigger and everything. Kyler Murray, we're going to get to it with awards, but he's really, really, really impressive. I still don't think he would do anything in the NFL, but he is so 
much damn fun to watch. I don't even know if that made sense, but that's just how I translate my Kyler Murray impression. <laughs> Marquise Brown going out. I was kind of worried to see how they were going to respond, but you said C.D. Lamb. He had a phenomenal game, probably his best game all year, especially when Oklahoma needed it. And then that Oklahoma defense learned how to tackle. They got a stop, and they were able to – force a couple turnovers, and that was really what turned the tide of the game over. I was very impressed with it. You tweeted out Georgia and Alabama had a tough job going after that game, but I think they both were right there as far as making it a great championship Saturday. And they both had similar, like, it was really close until the start of the fourth quarter, and then Oklahoma pulled away. So, yep. yeah, another, another crazy exciting game ended up being – University of Central Florida maintained the winning streak by defeating Memphis, and it looked like for a while there they had no shot in hell of maintaining the the win streak. It was like it was two separate halves. In the first half, Daryl Henderson just absolutely went freaking nuts. I think I I actually texted you texted you a message and said he's going to be my player of the week, and then he didn't do anything the rest of the game. (laughs) I mean, and that's the crazy part. In really one half. He had 16 carries, 210 yards, and three touchdowns, and he threw a touchdown. Daryl Henderson, I have my player rankings probably coming out, I'd say, Thursday or Friday. He's making a significant jump up for me. He's averaging nine yards a carry, which is just unheard of. I mean, that's almost a first down every time he touches the ball. And I'm excited to watch more of him and dive into him more as he climbs up my rankings for running backs. But totally thought Memphis was just going to blow him out of the water. I really thought UCF was going to show that they needed Mackenzie Milton. But it was literally like we, we've said with all the games so far, it's a tale of two halves. So you just got to be able to finish the game, and UCF was able to do that. And I think that speaks to the team itself just being veteran leadership. I mean, in the second half alone, they outscored Memphis – 35 to 3 and that's really what made the difference yeah travis may i was listening to the dynasty life from last week he's really high on daryl henderson and he was in the early in the year he was in the heisman conversation and he kind of it kind of petered off a little bit but he's one that i haven't seen a whole lot and i cannot wait to watch more of but travis really likes him and i i value travis's opinion quite a bit so yeah i'm curious to look more into that one Real quick, we're going to go through our pride stickers for the week. They're players who we think made the biggest difference in the game. Andrew, you're up first, bud. What you got for your pride sticker this week? I'm giving mine to Tim Tebow. I mean, Sam Ellinger. I was really impressed with him. I mean, again, he's a sophomore. Um, his coming out party was last year in the Red River rivalry game against Oklahoma, and he's performed every time he's played Oklahoma in his college career, and he did that again on Saturday. 23 for 36. At times, he looked like a deep, very good passer, but then there was other times where I was like, oh, there's the Tebow throwing technique. 346 passing yards, two touchdowns. He did have that one costly pick, added two more touchdowns on the ground, which was crucial to their hot start. When they were running with him up the gut and doing the QB draws, he was reaching the second level of that Oklahoma defense like it was no problem at all. I'm really impressed by Sam Ellinger. I don't think he'll necessarily be a pro prospect. He'll be fine, and he'll be a four-year player because he won't be good enough next year to declare and then be highly drafted. So I think he'll stick with Tom Herman and help Herman kind of win a Big 12 championship with Texas. Right. Texas has some really good young talent coming up the pipeline as well. Had a couple of really – their recruiting class last year was, I believe, top 10. So – I'm gonna go with my pride sticker. It's kind of a an odd one. We don't. I have, don't think we've picked one yet that has only played 
a quarter. I you have to give it to Jalen Hurts, in my opinion, quarterback from Alabama. He's um came under a lot of you know he's had faced a lot of adversity. He's talked about transferring, you know, and to be thrown in on that big of a stage and in that situation. And he responded. You can see his teammates respond to him and pick him up. And he, I mean, he did what Tua was having trouble doing in the game, although Tua was injured. Kind of fun to watch him get in the game and play. Uh, He definitely led the team to the victory, no doubt about that. I don't think they would have won if Tua would have stayed in the game. I think he made the biggest difference for Alabama in that game. So it was kind kind of a fun story. A guy that was kind of kicked aside, thrown back into the limelight. So I think is it up in the? I think it's still up in the air whether he's transferring. I don't know if he's made it final or not. He can, but I mean he'll miss a year. Right, I'm pretty sure. So I, I don't think. God, it's, I don't know what I would do if I I mean, he's not going to make it in the pros. So that's what I mean. I think he'd want to stay and just win and enjoy it. You know, right. I guess I, the competitive drive. You know, want to play. And they still mix him in throughout the year, which I think is one of the reasons why he stuck around. I don't think Nick Saban did it just to ruin his eight-game or whatever it was, four-game redshirt. I mean, they find room for him, and then if Alabama keeps blowing people out, he's going to play every fourth quarter next year again. Right. So, no, Hurts, uh, it was nice to see, after what happened in the national title game, him come back and be a big part of it. Because if they win the national title, they'll look back on this and say this was the big reason. Then another big news came out today, actually, this morning. Urban Meyer is going to retire after the Rose Bowl game, which really caught me off guard. I think it probably caught everybody off guard. With the, you mentioned a little bit of fallout earlier that you had seen. I haven't seen too, too much negative yet, but what is your opinion on that, Andrew? It was very vocal, and I lost a lot of followers. With my criticism of Urban Meyer before the year, I think the whole Zach Smith situation, and I tweeted this out, I think it played a very big part in him leaving. I think if they would have gone to the playoff, he might have stayed. Who's to say? He cited today in his press conference that it's the he has a cyst on his brain, and that's why he has the headaches. And again, Florida fan. He left Florida citing heart issues, but he was back and coaching within a couple yeah, of years. So. It was crazy. I, it's tough because he's – I mean, he's he's 54. I mean, so – Definitely possible he could come back. Joe Paul and Bobby Bowden coached in their 200s, so it's, who's to right. say he couldn't come back after taking a couple years off and getting healthy? Some university would pay out the wazoo for him. He's able to recruit well. He wins national championships. I think he'll go down as one of the best coaches ever. I think the Zach Smith thing will eventually go away because I think Joe Paul has kind of been brought back into the limelight a little bit too. It's tough, but I mean, I saw today they had a metric on ESPN. He's the third winningest coach as far as winning percentage goes. What I what I can gather from what I was reading earlier is just he's just the exhaustion of the off season, and he said that other more health issues and stuff is just taking its toll on him. And it may have we may we may not know the whole situation. It may have been spoke about earlier in the year that they would you know kind of let it go if he was willing to retire. So I was I was thinking that today I, too. I could see them being like, "Oh, hey, we're bringing you back," but but yeah, retire exactly. at the end of the year. Some other big news in the last couple of days: Jared Stidham, AJ Brown, and Kelvin Harmon all declared for the draft. Uh, Stidham was a little bit of a surprise, I guess. I kind of thought he was going to come back. So. I think Stidham is declaring just to get away from Gus Malzahn because he was completely torpedoing 
his draft stock. I mean, Stidham at one point, Matt Miller was talking about saying he could be the QB1 even over Herbert, according to scouts, and then it just kind of went to quote yeah. Mike Gundy. He's one that could fall pretty far in the draft, fourth, you know, fifth, sixth round, whatever, and def- and benefit from having a good coaching staff and having several years to sit behind somebody and learn because he's got a lot of the tools to succeed. So he's a he's an interesting, especially in such a weak quarterback class. For sure. I mean, I could see him being, depending on how he tests and how his pro day goes and everything, I could see him being a late two, early round three kind of pick. I mean, C.J. Beathard was taken in the third round a couple years ago, and I definitely think Stidham's a better prospect than him. So he's another one of those getting the right situation kind of sit, another fit for potentially New England. <clears throat> so you could say that about any of the quarterbacks right. that need to sit. Oh, absolutely. Then A.J. Brown, not a surprise. Kelvin Harmon, not a surprise. And they're both going to be up there pretty good. Kelvin, Kelvin Harmon's one I want to watch a little bit more in the offseason as well. He, I haven't watched him as much as I'd like to. So. I won't say where he's ranked as far as officially, but he, I'm pretty sure he's going to be in my top five come Thursday or Friday. I really like him a lot. I think when I was watching Ryan Finley, he popped out a lot to me. So NC State's secretly producing a lot of quality pro talent they have they been, have yes going all the way back to philip rivers and his nine kids right yeah i'm going to work on my defensive rankings here throughout the off season as well and hopefully get those you know online here right first of january or so. so i will say too to keep track of any early declarations for players jordan mcnamara at mcnamara mm-hmm. dynasty he put out he has a growing list of every time a player declares Right. He's updating it, so I told him I, I would give that a shout out because I'm definitely using it. Yep. And if you'd like to, if you'd like to link a link to that. It is on our Twitter page. I I retweeted it a couple hours ago. So yeah, head over to at Debbie Manual real quick and go through over the final rankings for the season. Um, not really any surprises, I don't think. Um, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma obviously got the top four. Uh, Georgia stayed in at five, which I guess was a little surprising, being Ohio State at one and convincingly against Michigan and Northwestern. They came in at six. Michigan hung in at seven. UCF ended up eighth. Washington ninth, Florida tenth. You got to be happy with that, Andrew. We'll talk about that later. I'm very, very surprised they got in the top ten to finish. The, I mean, they still got to play Michigan in the bowl game, mm-hmm. which I'm excited about. I feel like we've played Michigan in every bowl game in the last three, four years. Whenever <laughs> Michigan has a bad year, we have a bad year, we play each other. Whenever we have a good year, we play each other. So Florida right. wants to be connected to a hardball. I get it. Then LSU 11, Penn State 12, Washington State 13, Kentucky 14, Texas 15, West Virginia, Utah, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Syracuse. You can find this all on ESPN. It's just kind of it's kind of interesting to see how they all interest. They all fell together. You know, based on their their algorithms or whatever they use, the voodoo magic that they use to come up with their ranking system. So I will ask you though, Dwight, because this is probably the question everyone's curious to see. Who would you have had in in your top four? Obviously, one and two have to be Alabama, Clemson. Right. The only thing I could think of that I honestly thought Ohio State had a better shot in Oklahoma because of strength of schedule. I think Texas was helped Oklahoma's strength of schedule, but I honestly don't think Texas was as good as they were ranked, if that makes any sense. Ohio State had a better 
but then at the same time, they also had a couple really tough wins there in the middle, like um, against Maryland, and definitely made them look a little more vulnerable. So I, I'm, I'm happy with the Final Four. I think it's going to be fun. I wanted to find a reason not to put Notre Dame in, and my great-grandmother, God rest her soul, is probably finding some way to get me struck by lightning tomorrow for saying that. But I wanted to f- make an argument for Ohio State and Oklahoma getting in and Notre Dame getting kicked out. But Notre Dame's defense, I think, is a big reason why they were good, so good this year. Ian Book played phenomenal. We've talked about it. The best quarterback play Notre Dame's had in a while. I would put Oklahoma over Ohio State for the sole reason that Oklahoma avenged their only loss. Ohio State didn't get a chance to do that with Purdue, which was their worst loss. That's the only reason I would put Oklahoma in there. And I'm excited to watch Oklahoma-Alabama now. And it's not even for the title. So hopefully we can mm-hmm. see – Alabama, Oklahoma, and then Clemson, Alabama. If they can beat both those teams, oh. Yeah, I, I like Oklahoma, but I think Ohio State's the only one that had a, a valid claim. And with the Notre Dame thing, a lot of people said that their biggest win was, you know, week one against Michigan. Yep. And then they played a lot of games that weren't their, – their traditional schedule is typically a lot harder, but with US like teams like USC having a down year and stuff, it, yeah. it definitely made their strength of schedule not quite as strong, but you can't fault them for that i mean they, they play their schedule so real quick comment on news, news and notes just because you brought up usc i know we're kind of scatterbrained with this i'm real excited for cliff kingsbury to work with daniels at Ooh, usc yes. yes 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 i could see him easily becoming the head coach if usc loses their first mm-hmm. couple games next year and then getting tired of helton I, I really like that matchup too because they've seemed like they've not been able to keep up offensively with the talent they've had, a, they've had some great talent there. They always have the great talent on offense to give Cliff Klingsbury some weapons to work with out there. They'll be fun to watch. For sure. All right, real, real quick. Throughout the bowl season, we're gonna every week we're gonna chime in. Every week, there's a couple bowl games starting on the 15th and going all the way through. I think January 8th or the 7th. Yep. January 7th is the final bowl game. So every week we will come on and go through them um i'm not going to go through all of them we we i said in the pregame we'll, that we'll I was start going doing to... that <laughs> once it's the week they're played we'll pick a couple that we want to talk about highlight some players kind of right, go from i'm there. trying to look at and trying to find some of the big ones here there's i i really like the very first one of the year the new mexico right, bowl with north texas and utah state Utah State lost their head coach to Texas Tech, but they still have a pretty good team. They were ranked at one point in the year. And then North Texas has one of my favorite quarterbacks that nobody talks about, Mason Fine. So, I am i mean, that's usually the first couple bowls are stinkers, but that's a pretty good one, I think, to start it off with. There are definitely some unconventional matchups. that, As usual, with the way they do it with six wins, there are some teams on here that you're just like, why are they in the bowl game? Iowa State at Washington State should be a pretty good game. My Michigan State Spartans drew Oregon. That's interesting. That might actually be a pretty good game, though. Well, let's... What are some of the later ones here, like near January 1st that you really like, Andrew? I really like Pitt and Stanford just because you can see the running back matchup of Bryce Love and Caudry Olson. I really like Mississippi State and Iowa just because I want to see Nick Fitzgerald against that tough defense. And then Kentucky-Penn State, another good one. Benny Snell. Defensive slug face. Yeah, Josh Allen plays. I'm sure if he declares, he may not. But same with Benny Snell. It's it's tough to say what to look forward to at this point just because if players do declare, 
it's obviously going to change because my first gut instinct, I was like, oh, man, I get to watch Arizona State early. And then I was like, oh, wait, I don't want to watch Arizona State because they don't have Harry playing. Oh, sorry. We got the bowl games, the Florida versus Michigan and the Peach Bowl, which should be an interesting game. The Fiesta Bowl features LSU and UCF, which I absolutely love. Like, why not throw <laughs> why not throw UCF against that defense? Like, that sounds like fun, man. The problem is, and this oh. is – I saw people complaining about it. If Greedy, Greedy Williams already did declare, and he's already yeah. said he's not playing in the bowl game, if Devin White declares and he doesn't play, if UCF wins, then they're already griping. Well, we didn't play the real LSU team. I still think LSU is going to mop the floor with them. At least I hope so. Yeah. I, it's nothing against UCF. Oh, so. I'm just ah. – we got to root for the little guys. Come on, Andrew. No. I'm I tired. Do. I'm I do. a Florida fan. I a- own the state of Florida. If A&M scored 74 on LSU, and they, I think UCF has a more fun offense, although they don't they don't play teams of the caliber of LSU either. So. If they had McKenzie Milton, I would probably pick UCF to beat LSU. But without him, I think Ed Orgeron and his Go Tigers is going to be able to upset him. Right, and Rose Bowl has Ohio State and Washington, and Washington's got a pretty good defense. But no, I don't. I don't know. I'm not thinking that's going to be a very good game, in my opinion. But Georgia, Texas, I like. I just noticed that. Yes, the Sugar Bowl, Georgia and Texas. I love that matchup. Yeah, that'll that'll be a good one. Yep. So we've definitely got some good ones coming up. We've got some very interesting matchups, some very contrasting style of plays and, and teams that don't meet very often, which that's what the bowl game should be, in my opinion. The times we get to see those teams, you know, against the other conferences they don't play on. I love bowl season. So every week we'll cover a couple of games and a couple of players to watch for. And so it should be an interesting off season. Then after all the bowl games comes the senior bowl. And this year's senior bowl roster is stacked. I was quite surprised. I, you hear every once in a while about players that are accepting their invites. And even you were surprised by some of the ones that were coming in. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm really pumped for the quarterbacks. Um, I mean, we saw last year what it did for Baker. I think it played a big part in him going all the way up to number one. Uh, not saying any of these guys will do that, but um, it's fun to see Ryan Finley's name on there. Trace McSorley, Garden Minshew. Um, Clayton Thorson, those are four very good quarterbacks. McSorley, while he doesn't show the pro potential, he's definitely earned his right to be there at the game. My favorite running back that nobody likes except me, I feel like, Karan Higdon, he's going to be there. And then two players I really like, and it seems like everyone's kind of starting to pick up on, Andy Isabella, the wide receiver mm-hmm. from UMass, and then Foster Moreau, the tight end from LSU. I really liked him. He didn't have a lot of passing game this year as far as making an impact there, but um, he showed he could be a blocker and a receiver, which is rare these days. I like Jalen Smith from Louisville, too, and immensely talented and just in an offense where he didn't really get a chance to shine. And as far as defense, there's some amazing defensive players in here. Yeah. Zach, Zach Allen from Boston College. My boy O'Shane Eminez from Old Dominion is going to be in the game. Josh Allen, linebacker. Defensive backs, there's Amani Uruguay. From Penn State, there's always some people that make their name that make the name there in the Senior Bowl, and that's one of those games I'd like to get to someday, and should be a lot of fun to watch. It's something I hadn't focused on until probably a year or two ago that I never even knew existed, more or less. And as I've gotten immersed into the college game, it's it's a pretty interesting way for 
some of these guys to show what they've got. And it's funny they talk about by they they like Mike Mayon and Matt Miller and everyone. <laughs> they talk about the week's worth of practice being the bigger impact on everyone's draft stock than the actual game itself, because that's where you get to see right. players like Marcus Davenport go up against the bigger school guys, and he's able to dominate them in practice and then dominate in the game, and you saw what it did for his draft stock. I mean, New Orleans was impressed enough. They trade away two first-round picks. It's always fun to see who will jump up. I, I expect Josh Allen to completely dominate the senior bowl. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think like Zach Josh. Allen can have an impact there too. Just like the other Josh Allen did last year, his draft stock went up quite a bit in the Senior Bowl last year as well. Yeah, and it was mainly because of the practices. Because during the game, he was not great, but he really balled out in the practice. And I would recommend looking that up and you know, watching the Senior Bowl when he comes on. What is that? January fifteenth, right around there? No, it's the or is it later? January twenty sixth. Yeah, Mobile, okay. Alabama. Mobile. I ran across the great state of Alabama. I just kept on running. Sorry. <laughs> I swear I don't drink when we do this show, ladies and gentlemen. All right. And then the big awards show is going to be Thursday night, then followed by the Heisman this weekend. Well, are we going to talk about the Heisman? Nah, I was going to say, I didn't write it down, but I meant to put it in after Coach of the Year. Right. So, so college football kind of- awards. The first award is the Chuck Benderick Award for Defensive Player of the Year, and it comes down to Josh Allen, Christian Wilkins from Clemson, and Quinn Williams from Alabama. Who is your vote on that one, Andrew? The best player is Quinn Williams, but I think as far as player who's having the best year, it's got to be Josh Allen. Uh, he's just been completely dominating. Big reason behind Kentucky doing so well and cracking the top 20 all year. Um, his sack numbers are staggering. He's gotten a total, he's got 14 sacks on the year, which is right up there as far as the top in division one this year. So he's definitely earned, I think the award I, at the end of the day, it probably will go to Quinn Williams just because Alabama has been playing so much better, but I think Josh Allen definitely deserves it. Quinn gets my vote, but I, I could see that going Josh Allen's way as well. Uh, Wilkins, I don't think, I think it's probably the least chance of the three, I would. The Bolitnikoff Award goes to the best wide receiver. That comes down to Andy Isabella from UMass, Jerry Judy, Alabama, and Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State. Who's got your vote there, Andrew? I almost went with Tylen Wallace. I got to say that I'm going to probably give it to Andy Isabella from UMass. On the sole, I mean, his stats are staggering. Do you have his stats, by the way? Ridiculous. 1,600 yards, 13 touchdowns, um, added another touchdown on the ground. I've watched tape on him and Seeing his quarterback that he has thrown him the ball, he definitely just speaks to the volume of player he is. So that's that's why he gets my vote. It's simple. Jerry <laughs> Judy's got a great offense. Tylen Wallace has a great offense, and Andy Isabella is the offense at UMass, and even did well in the big couple big games they did have, like when they played Georgia. Georgia, yeah, he dominated Georgia. Yep, he's a smaller guy, slack guy, but he is just electric, and he's got great route running. Great after the catch, and he's, you know, he's one of the smaller guys that should translate to the NFL. He'll be in the slot, but he, I could see him being a Julian Edelman type. He has almost, I think Julian Edelman's a little bit bigger, but they definitely have a lot that tenacity in the way they play. It's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and his game against Georgia, I pulled it up because I couldn't remember how insane the stats were against DeAndre Baker, who's arguably top three quarterback in the class, who's nominated for an award as well. 
15 receptions, 219 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, it's just incredible what a guy from UMass can do against a top-ranked Georgia team. Next award is the Davey O'Brien Award for the best quarterback. That they, The nominees are Gardner Minshew from Washington State, Kyler Murray from Oklahoma, and Tua Tagalabola. <laughs> I don't even know why we have to say his last name anymore. Tua from Alabama. There you go. Jacob gives me crap every time I write an article about him that I don't use his real full name, which I'm not even going to begin to process. So No, it's it's the alphabet, basically. Yes. Um, <laughs> Who has your vote, Dwight? Actually, I'm going to give it to Tua. I know this last game was less than inspiring, but he's been amazing all year, and I, I still, I still think it comes down to Tua. It definitely is out of the two. It's between Tua and Kyler. I, I give the nod to Kyler just because, it, and it sounds dumb. All year it was Tua, 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 and then one bum ankle. Kyler Murray doing what he did was just magical, and his stats on the year are just amazing too. Seventy percent completion percentage. Over 4,000 yards passing, 40 touchdowns, not including what he does on the grounds. Nobody thought when he left Texas A&M as a freshman that he was going to be able to do something like this. So it's just incredible. And I definitely can't fault anybody that would vote that way either. I think it's between those two. The Jim Thorpe Award is for the best defensive back. This one I think is the tightest one. I could see any of these three guys getting it. Yep. Uh, DeAndre Baker, Georgia Greedy Williams, LSU, and Julian Love from Notre Dame. Who gets your nod on this one, Andrew? I I talked about a little bit earlier that Notre Dame defense being a big reason why they're ranked so high and they've won so many games. I think Julian Love is the star of that defense. A lot of people will talk about Jerry Tillery, but I think Julian Love is the biggest reason why that team has a chance to potentially upset Clemson in the first round of the college football playoff. Um, I'll go with DeAndre Baker, but I, I can easily see it going any direction. It, DeAndre kind of led that. Georgia defense and was the, the biggest name on that defense. He's he made the most difference in different ways. He kind of played all over the secondary. He wasn't just straight a cornerback. You mentioned this before. I don't know how Grant Delpit wasn't in this. Yes. I have no idea. Who knows? He was, he was way more impressive <laughs> than Greedy Williams was. They were joking about on the stick to football when they were doing their awards. They were like, they're almost like the people were like, well, who are the top three cornerback prospects? We're just going to throw them in. Right. That, that's crazy. I'm I, not mentioning the John Mackey Award because they didn't throw Noah Fant in, so they don't deserve it. <laughs> Valid point. Uh, Doak Walker Award for the best running back comes down to Travis Etienne from Clemson, Daryl Henderson from Memphis, and Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. What do you got there, Andrew? I'm going to go with your boy, Travis Etienne, only because I think without him, Clemson's not where they're at. Yes, Trevor Lawrence has played a fantastic season but etn it's like we were talking about and i make the analogy all the time rookie quarterback's best friend is a running back dak prescott had zeke and you saw what success they had same thing goes for lawrence with etn etn's really the consistency that clemson team has needed all year whenever they face adversity and and i agree i actually think travis etn is obviously the most talented but i think the award needs to go to daryl henderson in this case just because of how, how what he did for the team and how amazing he's been. 1,900 yards, 22 touchdowns, 20, catches as, carry. Well. Yep, 20 catches as well, which is always going to be helpful. I think he's meant a lot more to this offense, to the offense in Memphis. He's basically their offense. And I do believe Etienne's a better pro prospect and the better running back, but I think the best running back in college football this year would have to go to Daryl Henderson, in my opinion. But would I wouldn't mind seeing Etienne get it either. 
coach of the year. I actually didn't write down anything for this one. So you, you go ahead, get up on your soapbox. <laughs> it has to be Dan Mullen. It has to be. Florida, he, he made Felipe Franks turn Florida into a top 10 team. If you're not a Florida fan and you watch Felipe Franks, you'd be like, what the hell is he doing on the field? I love Felipe Franks, but with all due respect, it's just, oh, it is so bad at times. But he was able to turn that whole team around, and I, I am so excited for what the future is going to be. I almost put in Mike Leach. Um, with what he did at Washington State. Obviously, you could have put Saban in or Dabo, but I, they get it every year. I mean, you got to see somebody who turns something around, and I think um, Stoops at Kentucky was another one that I thought about as well, but I think it has to go to Dan Mullen, especially playing in the SEC. Right. I think Tom Herman at Texas could have got it too. Yes, Herman as well deserves a little bit. One more award. Some some award with some dude with his arm sticking out. I don't know what it's called. Heisman Trophy, that's it. There you go. Heisman Trophy Award goes between Tua, Kyler Murray, and Dwayne Haskins for the final three. And I think I saw you tweet out that you have changed your vote. I have, and it's not to Dwayne Haskins, despite how much crap Curtis Goff gives me daily about it. I, I think it has to go to Kyler Murray. Saturday is going to play a big role because that's the last impression the players were able to make. And I think Tua missing the second half and Alabama winning without Tua. I think if they would have lost without Tua – Tua wins the Heisman. But now that I think that Jalen Hurts was able to pop in, the team plays a big factor in the Heisman voting. I think they say it doesn't because it's the best player in college football. But unless you're Lamar Jackson or Tim Tebow when he won the Heisman, you have to have crazy numbers to win it on a bad team, which doesn't happen anymore. So that's why I think Kyler Murray. I don't know. And that's what makes Saturday fun. I, I would think either one, him or Tua, could win it. I don't think Dwayne Haskins has a snowball's chance in hell, but that's just me. Yeah, I don't know. I think he uh, he might now. Like before, I didn't think he. I thought he was on the outside, but these last two games were when he needed to play good. He absolutely balled out. So I think it will be a lot closer than we thought it was going to be. Um, and I'm just. I still am going to go with Tua. Yeah, I I could see it going either to Tua or Murray, and I wouldn't be surprised either way. So that does conclude our show, except for the Army. What we got this week, Army and Navy. Yep, the Commanders and Chief game, which I always like watching. It is. It's fun. It's fun to watch guys that play just for the love of the game. I mean, none of those guys are ever going to are likely to make it in the NFL or was in the Army for a couple of years and got to it, – it's fun. that We used to always get together and watch it. That meant a lot to us, you know, and it meant a lot to – this armed services when they play each other, it, it gets everybody all fired up. So it's a different type of game. It's just a lot of fun to watch. And it doesn't matter who's doing what this, I think what army's nine and three this year and Navy's yeah, three and nine, I think. Yeah. yeah it's, it's yeah. usually the last couple of years it's been Navy dominating, but army has been pretty good the last couple of years. I, I married into an air force family, so I can't technically root for either team, but I can definitely enjoy the game and fun game. And when they score, they do push ups, and, you know, it's just kind of neat to watch. It's, a whole it's fun atmosphere. watching. Yeah. Everybody in the uniforms in the crowd. And last year with all the snow was hilarious. And oh, that was awesome. And then despite awesome. what Jacob thinks, the big red one uniforms for army are fantastic. I don't want anybody to tell me different, so don't at me. <laughs> You've had enough. You had enough people at you this week, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that will wrap up our episode seven. Next week, we'll come back to you with our probably recap the awards and 
maybe throw in a couple names that probably should have been nominated and it'll probably be a shorter week. So Andrew, let everybody know where they can find you and what you're up to these days. They can find me over at DHH underscore Mandrew on Twitter. Um, I do have my positional ranking coming out this week for offense, top 10 quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. I'm also working on, I haven't talked about it. I'm covering NFL and bowl games for the, score crow over on twitter so look for my stuff over there i'll have a couple game previews so should be a lot of fun i, I love bowl season because it's kind of the wrap-up to the whole year and we're finally really rolling into the draft process and i am on twitter at ff people's champ i write for dhh and fantasy authority I said last week i'm pretty much done with fantasy authority for the season and gonna start focusing more on more of the devy and start scouting real hard for the draft so my positional rankings hopefully coming out here soon then i also still working on an article for defensive players to watch in the off season as well find the podcast at devy manual and email us at devy owners manual at gmail.com that's it for this week, everybody. Good luck in your playoffs, and hopefully you guys do well. And take care. Boomer sooner. Boomer sooner. <laughs> There's more. Don't forget about the Mountain West. The Mac that can flex. Somebody's next. Ivy League fresh. Literally, though. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of players to test. I'm serious. They will talk about the most obscure players on this planet. Potentially another planet. Like... Dude's got a 4340 from Mars. Like, I don't know. I, it's too much. I'm done. I'm gone this time.